Good morning, everyone. It is uh, good to be here. And as Pastor John mentioned, today is Pentecost Sunday. So um, after the resurrection, Jesus was, was walking the earth for 40 days. Then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Ten days later, 50 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit descends and indwells his people. And the Christian church is birthed. And so that's what we celebrate here today. The Christ church is universal. It's eternal. It's united through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say amen on that. And this reality is very fresh to me. As many of you know, I'm coming back from a trip from China. And so I was in China for a little over 10 days. And um, the purpose of the trip was to visit different church leaders um, in the house churches, in the state-ran churches, people in the marketplace, Christian leaders in the marketplace. And we went and we went to Beijing and we went to a, a, a town called Xi'an. Then we went to Shanghai. And we got to go to all these different places and just talk to these different leaders. And it was an amazing trip. And there was uh, a lot of people that had a lot of impact on me that this morning I'm going to share a little bit, share a little bit about. But I'm still processing the, the whole aspect of the trip and, and everything about this, but I was really amazed by the kingdom reality of the people that I was with. They, they, they live as if the kingdom is already here. It's not something that's, that's far off. It's not something that we're waiting for. They walk in that reality right now. And to see this in the backdrop of a communist society where persecution was real, Israel was was very um, humbling to me. I was I was amazed by how they um, in, embraced the power of God, knowing that being a disciple of Jesus was going to cost them something. I, I was amazed and convicted. I was challenged by their boldness, and I was reminded that as Christ Church, we have been clothed with resurrection power of God for the purpose of being His witness and proclaiming the truth of the kingdom. The kingdom is now. And so the, the title of today's message is Power from on High. And we're going to be looking in Luke 24. And I just want to give you a little context here. So Jesus, obviously, like I said, is resurrected. And he's appearing to several people. Um, he's appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He's appeared to the women. He's appeared to a lot of people. And his apostles, you think, would be excited about this. But instead, his apostles... Um, run and they lock themselves up into a room. And they're in this powerless state. And they're in the state of fear and frustration, confusion and anxiety. And I suspect that the state the apostles find themselves in is often the state of mind that we find ourselves in in, in, in our everyday life. The state of fear, frustration, confusion and, and anxiety. And we, we often function as if we're powerless. And today what I want to do is I want to look at three sources of power that we have so that we can be empowered witnesses of Christ in our everyday life mission. So let me pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we thank you for this time. We entreat you by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we say, come. We say, give us the wisdom, the knowledge, the insight of the things that we do not know. Teach us this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. Open our hearts to receive your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So the first thing we see is that we have the power. We have power in the resurrection. And the resurrection is, is, is something we often think of something past. And it, it is. But we have power. The, the resurrection gives us the power of the peace of Christ. Verse 36 says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And in John 20, chapter 20, verse 19, we read that the apostles are behind a locked door. Like I mentioned, Jesus approaches them. And what's the first thing that he declares? He declares peace over them. And he, he's right to do this because his work is complete. He knows that there's no longer um, a separation between God and man. He has come and he has completed that work. And the resurrection is the acceptance of the Father of that work. So he now knows peace is possible in him. And so he declares that to them. He says, peace. Eternal peace. And so the kingdom of God is at hand. And the, and the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, is declaring the reality of that peace for you and me in him. We see that the resurrection gives us the power of the assurance of Christ. Verse 37 says, They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. You see, they're, they're, they're totally freaked out. And they're freaked out because the resurrection is happening in a way that they did not expect. You see, they had it in their mind. They thought that the resurrection was going to be the resurrection of all those that were dead. Not just Christ, not just one person, not just the Messiah. And so they have this paradigm, and Christ totally blows their paradigm. So the resurrection is not playing out like they thought. So they're thinking they're seeing a ghost. And in verse 38, Jesus says, He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? The, the, the word doubts here have, the, have this idea as if they're logically deliberating on what's happening. They're taking stock of what's happening. And logically, this is not making sense to them. And since it doesn't make sense to them, it just must not be true. So how does Jesus respond? Well, he responds by giving them three commands. We see them in verse 39. He says the first command is, look. Look. At my hands and my feet, it is I myself. The second command he gives is touch. Touch. Go ahead and touch me. Feel me. Like, see these things. And the last command is see. It's almost like the first one, but it's this idea of now take that, what you see and what you feel, and synthesize it together. He says, touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. You see, Jesus insists on a faith that is more than just academic. He doesn't merely just want to be heard. He wants to be experienced. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's only when we experience Christ that that assurance in Christ is possible. It's, it, this is not just simply an academic exercise. We must experience Christ. And when we experience Him, when we know, it's like, yeah. I'm not even making sense what I just said right now, but you get it. I'm looking at you like, yeah. He wants to be experienced. It's like when everything is just going to you know what. And you're like, things are going to be okay. 
It's that, that sense. You see, it's easy to talk about Christ, but it's really another thing to experience Christ. And I think the best way that we see this is in our prayer life. Do you ever just go to God in prayer and you're just like, Lord, it's been a rough day. Yeah, you're really good. Yeah. And you're, and you're like, you're, you're like kind of like dancing around. Is this he doesn't know already? Instead of just pouring out your heart and just saying what it is that's in your heart, you, you almost you put a block as if you're like addressing, like there's this formality of sorts. And it comes out in our prayer. We need to experience Christ. We can just let it out. We just need to, he, he's there. He's, he's right there. And as a matter of fact, the resurrection gives us the power of the presence of Christ because Christ is present right now. Verse 41 says, And while they, they still did not believe it, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. You see, they're still not getting it. So Jesus wants to make his point. So he stands right in front of them, and he eats. He declares peace. And basically what he's saying is he's saying, I'm right in front of you. Deal with me. I am present. Deal with me. And you know, in many ways, Jesus is doing the same thing right now. He is breaking through our locked doors and making that same plea. He's standing in front of us, and he's saying, deal with me. And so the question is, is what are those locked doors? It's, it's different for, for each one of us. We have a locked door, the thing that we do not want to submit the, to the lordship of Christ, that, that, that thing that is just too intimate for us that we think that even Christ wouldn't understand. Yet he's saying, I am present. I want to deal with it. Peace. And he stands right in front of you. And it's all because of the resurrection, because he lives. And this idea of the power of the resurrection was really made clear to me when I went to Shanghai. And I met Ryan. Ryan is a bivocational pastor. He's a, he's a, uh, works in finance, and he's a really high up there in the financial aspect of, of business. He's in the marketplace. And Ryan is always looking over his shoulder. And he knows that um, the government is pretty much on to him. The, the Chinese government pretty much knows everything that's going on. And he's, he's bivocational. He gets to interact with these people all over the place because of what he does in the marketplace. Yet he is dedicated to Christ. And as he was sharing with us, he just was real. And, and he comes and he says, he says this one thing. He says, I know, I get this sense by the Holy Spirit that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die for the sake of Christ. And I'm ready to die for Christ. And you had a bunch of people in the room just bawling their eyes out. Because the power of the resurrection was real to Ryan. This wasn't a fake thing. This wasn't an academic thing. He's experiencing Christ. And he's ready to die for his Lord and his Savior. He's willing to take risk because of the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection in his life. And the fact is, is we need to take risk for being a witness for Christ on our front lines. By embracing the power of the resurrection so that we could bring forth the presence of Christ. We're on our front lines for a reason. And some of us are holding back. And you're not there to hold back. You're there to hold, take risk. And see, we could take risk because our Lord, our Savior, took the ultimate risk. 
And he overcame death, and in him we overcome. So we must embrace the power of the resurrection. That's the first thing. The second, second thing we have is we have power in the word. We have power in God's word and his holy scriptures. And there's power in the written word of God. Verse 44 says, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So Jesus appeals to the Holy Scriptures and reiterates that he fulfilled the Messianic prophecies. He's saying, everything about, that you read is about me. And it says he opened their minds. It's this idea that Jesus supernaturally gives them the ability to comprehend the, the, the secret things of God that are contained in Scripture. And you see, the written word of God has power. And it, and, it, and it still opens our mind. Our minds are opened by the power of the Holy Spirit when we faithfully engage God's word. This just isn't, wasn't for them, it's for us. And I, I think Pastor John brought it up a few weeks ago when he was preaching. You know, very clear, how do we faithfully approach the scripture? We remember that scripture is not primarily about us, it's primarily about Christ. We go to Scripture and we, 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 we engage it faithfully and we approach it. The Holy Spirit opens our minds and God's Word is poured within us. That's why the authority of Scripture is so important. That's why we fight for the authority of Scripture. That's why we uphold the authority of Scripture here at this church. Because it has power. It isn't just a book that we read and we go, yeah, it was really nice words. We believe that the Holy Spirit authored this book and is, is, is speaking directly to us. It has something to say for us right now, today. We see that there's also power in the proclaimed Word of God. Verse 46, He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus makes it clear that, that the gospel is to be preached. This word preached, he uses this word preached, it means to be made known publicly and loudly. It conveys this idea of like a, an old um, palace herald. You know, like when you see, you know, like, hear ye, hear ye, kind of type of thing. And he's saying it needs to be preached loudly, in public, openly, do not hide this. And how this happens depends on our context and the people on our front line, but nonetheless, we're called to preach this, be overt about this. Because the gospel is the best news. Thank you. You missed those, didn't you? It's the best news. Think about this. Think about what he just said. We've all fallen, fallen, fallen short of the glory of God. And, and as I say this, I don't want you just to like switch it off and go, here he goes again. I, want you to th I really want you to understand this. We were separated from God because we sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we deserve death. We deserve eternal death and hell. And I hope that, like, I hope that just shook you a little bit. 
And God is right to leave us in that state because He's holy and we are not. Yet He sends His only Son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and righteous life. And He dies on a cross. And He bears the wrath of the Father. I mean, this is the sinless Son who's, who's had this triune relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit for eternity past. And now He's separated from the Father. And he's, and he's just, the, the, the wrath of the Father is being poured upon him and, and our sin, the weightiness of our sin is upon him. And he feels it. And it's the physical pain of the cross, but it's also the emotional pain that he's feeling, that separation. And he dies. But three days later, he's resurrected. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we too are resurrected to new life. We are given His righteousness. Yes, we are no longer... God, the Father does not see us as sinful anymore, but we are also given Christ's righteousness. And that righteousness continues on for eternity, and He's transforming, He's renewing all things right now. His kingdom is now. And we have a chance to, to work with God in this. That's the gospel. And that's the best news ever, because most people just feel powerless in their lives. And the power of God's word was really highlighted to me when I went to Xi'an. Xi'an is, is kind of a, a, a place like, I, I, I kind of, um, it's the Chinese version of Boston to me. It's kind of a historic area, but yet there's some newness there. And I met Sarah. And Sarah's an artist. Sarah owns this shop in this minority section of Xi'an. It's, it's very busy there, very anti-Christian. And she owns this, this, this store. And over the years, and, uh, Westerners would come in, and they would want her to do certain art, certain um, artistic things, um, and write certain things in Chinese, uh, mainly uh, scripture verses. And so she figured, well, I'm a, a smart businesswoman. I better go get a Bible or something, because I don't want to mess this up. So she gets a Bible. She opens it up, and over the years of, of doing these, these things for Westerners that are coming in, and she's reading the Bible, she comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And now she's in the middle of this anti-Christian area, this minority section. Just by reading God's word. And persecution is real to her. And that's the power of the word. God's word has power. So what about us? God has put us on our front line exactly where he wants us. How, do you, how are you shaped and how are you, you bringing, how are you bringing God's word? How are you heralding the gospel and the reality of the kingdom, the transformation of the kingdom on your front line? What does that look like for you? And let's just get real here. Send hate mail my way once I go and say this. But... What excuses do we make? I just don't have time. You know, it's really tough to really like read scripture. I don't know how. I've been sitting in church for 30 years, but I don't know how. Here we have a, a woman I come across with who just reads the scripture just as a child, comes to faith. But you have people that have all the access in the world and, and we make excuses of why we can't read it. And it's illegal for her to read it. And I'm, I'm convinced, and I am convicted of this myself. I'm not really sure if we really want our minds to be open to the scriptures. 
at times. Because that means things will change. Because you cannot, you cannot interact with God's word and not be changed. And so when you interact with God's word, God's going to say, and the Holy Spirit's going to stir, and it's going to like, you need to change your life. And it's like, I don't want to change my life. I kind of like what I got. Change is scary. And God's like, I'm in the change business. <laughs> but see, if you reject that and you suppress that, you might be able to keep that comfortable sense of where you're at, that, that mediocrity of life. But you're totally powerless. There's no power in your life. Because you rejected the gospel. You rejected God's word. So I want to encourage us to read, to meditate, to submit to God's word. And if you say, I don't know what this looks like. Well, that's why you have pastors. And you come to us. And we say, you know what? This is how you interact with God's word. And there's plenty of people in our congregation that get it. We're here to help each other on this. To do life together and to interact with God's word on this. We have so many resources. And you're going to see that when you interact with God's word, when you, when you come to it with an open mind, with an open heart, faithfully, God will change everything. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to be the best thing ever. You're going to be more like him. And everything around you is going to change. And you're going, to be, you're going to feel the power of the Spirit working. So that's the second thing. The last thing. And this last thing really is the foundational thing. We have power in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit applies the power of the resurrection to us. It, it opens our mind. It is, the Holy Spirit is the author of the scriptures and also opens our minds to the scriptures. And so we have the power in the Holy Spirit. The whole, and we see that the Holy Spirit is the promised gift of the Father. Verse 48 says, You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. In the Old Testament, the, the prophet Isaiah spoke of Israel being a witness to all nations during the end times by the endowment of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells his disciples in John that when he departs, the Father will send another advocate to be with them forever for the purposes of being his witness. And we see that that promise is fulfilled in Acts 2. In Acts 2 we read, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then, and then we read that Luke talks about all the different people, the different um, nations that were present during that time. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. People thought, man, they're getting a little wacky. Maybe they, they hit the wine a little too early this morning. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters, daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. 
And this has been fulfilled. The promise is here. It's been received. We see that the gift of the Holy Spirit changes everything. It changes the very being of who we are. We see, we read, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power. Jesus says, stay in the city until you've been clothed with power. That idea of you have been clothed with power is, that phrase means to be endowed with a condition or a quality. It means that your very DNA has been changed. Because the Holy Spirit now indwells you by faith. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He will not go away. He will not depart. You have been changed. Ontologically, you have been changed. Your identity has been changed. You are a child of God, endowed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there. It's a supernatural gift. He is a supernatural gift for the purpose of being a witness of Jesus Christ. Verse 48 says, You are my witnesses of these things. You have been clothed with the power from on high. That power is from on high. You see, the apostles' mission was to spread the gospel and, and pronounce the kingdom was now. That's why they were given the Holy Spirit. And we've been called to pick up that mantle. We've been endowed with the Spirit to do the same things. We have been given this power from on high to bear witness of the things of Christ and the kingdom of God. Everything changes. We're called to, to go in there and make everything change. There is no passivity in Christ. The fact is, is we are empowered citizens of the kingdom called to bear witness of Christ and the fullness of his kingdom on our front lines. That's the bottom line. And the idea of being empowered was really highlighted when I went to Beijing. I met Fred. Fred's a pastor of a local house church movement. Fred had a fairly large church in Beijing. And Beijing is like the Washington, D.C., but instead of democracy, insert communism. And, and you go there and you feel communism because it's the capital city. And Fred's a, a church leader there, an underground church leader. And he's pretty outspoken. And he, he has this, this, this confidence, this empowerment by the Spirit and um, people started, the government started raiding his, uh, his, his congregation members, intimidating them. Then he came in and broke up his church. And you would think, game over, right? Game over. Church is done. They found out where they're, they're meeting. But instead of one church, they now have like 26 churches. Because he's like, great, we'll roll with this. This is a work of God. Sounds good to me. Now we're just spread out everywhere. And he had this empowerment. He's, he's like, we're only going to be stronger. He had this sense of empowerment. He knew that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit for the purposes of being a witness of Christ and bearing witness of the kingdom of God. And I have the sense that many of us do not feel empowered like that. We feel often like the apostles behind the locked door. And we often live in a state of fear. And here's the thing. You can't lead and you can't flourish in a state of fear. It's impossible. And I find it very interesting that you go to China where persecution is very real, it's happening, and there's this sense of empowerment. And yet here in Massachusetts, in Andover, there's a sense of fear, and the persecution is really not that bad, let's face it. And I don't know about you, but I'm done with that. I'm really done with that. 
me ask you this question. This is not a rhetorical question. How many of you want to, be, want to feel empowered? Amen. Like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You can clap for that. If you don't want to, then we can talk later. But we want to feel empowered. And here's the thing. The Spirit is here. He's already indwelt you by faith. I just don't think we recognize it many times. What I want to do, what I want, to, what I want us to do is after the service, we're going to have our prayer partners over here, but I'm also going to invite Pastor John and Pastor Marcus to come up to the front with me. And we want to, if you would like, to receive an anointing of, with oil. Oil is often associated with the Holy Spirit. It's an outward sign of an invisible reality of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. And we want you to come up, and we want to pray for you, and we want to anoint you in that. And we want you to leave in the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding that you are, in fact, sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to give you that opportunity towards the end. Let me close, because I could talk way long about this. China reminded me that the people of God are not helpless. They're powerful. Listen, we're powerful because we have the, the power of the Holy Spirit that isn't dwelt us. Christ died for that. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And I'm so tired of people saying the church in New England is dead. I'm tired of it. Because as long as you have empowered believers of Jesus Christ in this region, the church is not dead. And so it's time to break out and let's change history. Let's just set this, let's just pour gasoline on New England. And let's just do it. Not literally, some of you are like, yes. <laughs> let's change history. Let's embrace that power from on high. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the empowerment. We thank you for the reality of, of what you do in our lives. I pray that, Lord, that today that the reality of, of that empowerment would be real for us, not just on Pentecost Sunday, but that every day would be Pentecost until you come and you return. May we be witnesses of you, bold witnesses. May we proclaim the goodness of the kingdom on our front lines. So be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.